following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His graces? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the blood, in the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless? Are they white as blood of the Lamb. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. You will not fly away if you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus, if you have not left your sin and been made holy, you will not fly away. 
there are conditions you must meet. Now, these conditions are not by your hard work. These conditions are allowing the supernatural work of God to function in your heart and in your life. But there is a time now in our country's history of great deception. Disney World, who many of us years ago considered safe family. And then they brought out touchstone pictures, which became increasingly violent and dark. Now they have remade, or in the process of remaking Beauty and the Beast. But this time they're making the lover a homosexual. Even those institutions that we once trusted in America have become utterly corrupt. The Target stores that many of you have gone to for years has had a tremendous drop financially after they supported the transgender bathroom issue and made their bathrooms into transgender bathrooms so that a man can go into a woman's restroom or a woman can go into a man's. They're unisex. So in the stall next to you, if you're a man, may be a woman. We are in a time of such a breakdown of gender a war against everything of natural law. We are at a time when our news media, mainstream news media, CBS, NBC, CNN, ABC, that we used to trust, have now simply become elements of a great deception to undermine the core values of America, the core values of morality, decency, integrity, prosperity. It just simply astonishes me the flood of wicked deception that is flowing into America and into the American church. There are many churches in America today where sin is not spoken of, where the blood of Jesus is not allowed to be preached. There are many churches now where committees work on the sermon and homogenize it sufficiently so as not to offend anyone. There are churches across this city that are filled with every kind of entertainment and every kind of wickedness. I recently heard of a, a mega church in this city whose leading men get together once a week for a cigar night. And then they decided, let's go to a strip club. 
And so off they go. These are the men who are laymen, who stand in the pulpit, who make announcements, who read the scripture, who pray. What kind of wickedness would allow this kind of behavior? What kind of pastor would put up with this? I am astonished at the the flow of filth that has now even entered into and taken over many of the churches of our nation. Now, Jude was the brother of James and the brother of Jesus, our Lord. He wanted to write to God's people. Now, the people he was writing to had a very real spiritual experience in which they had been cleansed from all sin. They were in a state of moral purity. They were in the image of Jesus. Now, these people, let me read this to you, to the ones called having been made holy, having been made holy by God the Father and having been kept by Jesus Christ. That word kept literally means an active outside influence. Now he wanted to write to these people, calling them beloved, and he wrote to them saying, you need to exercise every conceivable diligence concerning our common salvation. And he said, I wanted to write to you about this. And frankly, I delight in doing what I've been doing over the past weeks, lifting up Jesus Christ and glorifying him and talking about the wonderful gift of salvation that we have all who follow Jesus received in the cleansing and the breaking of every bondage of sin, being made whole, being made righteous. It is a glorious gospel of freedom and salvation and celebration as we are brought into oneness with Jesus, our Lord. This is something to be very excited about, to give testimony about, to say, yes, the the power of sin has been broken in my life. I'm no longer walking in this wickedness. I've been set free. But he could not write to them about this because he felt a compelling obligation to write, summoning them to strenuous effort on behalf of the faith, once and for all handed over to the holy ones. Why? Let me read it for you. Jude 1, verse 4. For certain men sneaked in the ones already having been written about for this judgment, ungodly men who are perverting the grace of our God into lustful indulgence, and they are denying the only sovereign God and our Lord Jesus Christ. These men today have snuck in among us and called themselves Christians, even calling themselves pastors, 
and they have perverted the grace of God. They have made it something it is not. I could name many names, but I will not. I will let you have the time in the prayer closet to judge for yourself the truth of what I'm saying to you. But anyone who denies Jesus Christ by denying that his blood has the power to break all bondages of sin, that person is a wicked man or a wicked woman. Now, I've watched carefully for many years what I thought at first was a very positive thing. We used to always eagerly watch for the advent of the new cars for the coming year. And there were dramatic changes, adding fins here, taking them off there. These cars were fascinating, and the technology was advancing so rapidly. Now, I'll date myself, but in my family, as I grew up as a young man, as a child, my family had a 1936 Chevrolet. And we had a Model A Ford pickup. There was not much technology in these cars. They were pretty stripped down. The Model A Ford pickup had no heat, no blower. You had a little cone down on the floor that you could open when the motor got hot enough, and then a little motor heat might seep through. No, when we went to ride with Dad in the Model A Ford pickup, we had to bring quilts. We had to wrap up because it was going to be a cold ride. The 36 Chevy did have a blower in it, and it had an electric start in it. The Model A Ford pickup, Dad put an electric start on it, but it would also have a place for a crank. Then I remember Mother and Daddy said, we need to get another car. And so they sold the 36 Chevy. I wish I had it today. And they bought a 1951 Chevy used. Wow, what a change. And then Dad, for his work, got rid of the Model A Ford pickup. And he bought a Ford station wagon, 1952. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. White with red interior. I used to think that all of these advances in technology meant that things were getting better and better. It was not until I'd lived some time that I began to see and understand that advances in technology do not mean advances in morality. That advances in technology only open the door for increasing opportunities of wickedness. Advancing technology 
only opens the door for increasing wickedness. Now, I'm not saying technology is bad. Obviously, I'm sitting in my home studio. I'm doing this broadcast live to you. And you can listen to it by subscribing on the YouTube channel and following it because I'm streaming live on the YouTube channel. You can listen to it on your car radio. You can listen to it on your Android or your iPhone. You have many different options. You can go to the webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There are lots of platforms that we've now expanded to. All of this is due to technology. Technology by itself is not right or wrong. It's the use for which we we employ that technology. Now, unfortunately, our culture is going into the merging of man and machine of man and animal. We are technologically beginning the destruction of humanity. Genetically, we are in a transhumanistic state. Everything is shifting and changing. It's as it was in the days of Noah. The scriptures told us this would happen. I never imagined it when I used to read those passages, but now they make perfect sense. Now they want to cover robots with human flesh because human flesh can be grown in labs. Now they want to be able to produce human flesh and harvest it as a crop. There are things happening technologically that are terrifying. And they are being used in the darkest possible ways. But as all of this wickedness of mixing man and animal and producing a pig and a human... Which is it, a pig or a human? We don't know. It's both. They're wanting to make a slave race. They're wanting to make a robot race. As all of these things are beginning to happen, and the genetic manipulation, and the genetic manipulation of our food, the GMO food, that is now proven to cause all kinds of destruction in the human body, I would not touch GMO food. I would not buy GMO food. I know there are those who say, what foolishness. No, I recognize what's happening in our culture. I would not use vaccinations. How do you explain giving a child a vaccine that has a high dose of mercury in it or high dose of aluminum in it. How do you explain? And yet in our culture, 
we have been overwhelmed with information, much of it false information, but it has come from sources that we have become accustomed to trusting. And so now you have NBC, ABC, CBS, CNN, and they're all pushing a one-world government. And so a president comes and wins election on the stand that we are Americans first. We are not a part of the one-world government. Any Christian with any understanding of the Scriptures is going to understand that they're push toward a one-world currency and a one-world government is absolute tyranny and utter wickedness and an opportunity for the Antichrist power to take over the world. It is anti-Christian. And yet some of you have been so deceived, you get all of your news from the mainstream media and you believe the lies that are pumped out and the support of the transgender issues, the support of homosexuality and lesbianism. You support every ungodly thing because you've been told this is what is right. Be tolerant. May I be very blunt with you? I am not a tolerant man. I will not tolerate sin. I will not tolerate lies. I will not sit by quietly and not speak to you of the vital interest of Jesus Christ that you be transformed into his likeness and you come out of the world, the flesh and the devil, and allow the power of the blood of Jesus to turn you into a new creature to transform you into the likeness of our Lord Jesus. How can I, how can I be silent in the face of this incredible encroachment of wickedness in our nation. Now, I don't come and preach politics, but I want to tell you what. Many of you have been sucked in by the darkness of the political system of America. And you must be very careful to sort the truth from the lies. For many men and many women in the political agenda, when they are talking, they are lying. Because they are not for America, they are for a one-world government. They are for a cashless society. Why would any person be in favor of a cashless society? They're preparing the mark of the beast. You must become very clear about where you stand on the issues of morality. This lie that abortion is a woman's right That placenta and that baby in the womb, they are not of the mother's DNA. 
they are from outside of her. They are separate from her. And the womb of the woman today in America has become one of the most dangerous places to be because women think they have the right to murder that child. It's heartbreaking to me. There is the right of a woman to choose whether she will fornicate or not. Once she has fornicated and she has that baby in her womb, she no longer has the right to determine whether that baby will live or die. It is her obligation to give birth to that form of life that is so precious that Jesus died for it. America is soaked with the blood of our children. And their blood cries out to the God above. I see no way America can avoid the judgments of God, but I praise God we now seem to have a small turn, a resurgence of of men and women in government who are once more returning to a morality of the past that is found only in the scriptures. I praise God for this. Now I'm going to be very frank with you. The left is involved in violence. The left is involved in rioting, shooting, killing policemen. Do I want a just police force? Absolutely. My son-in-law was for many years a Maryland state trooper. He was in charge of internal affairs before he became a captain. I've heard many of the stories, many of which saddened me, but many of which gave me great joy and confidence. Our policemen and our policewomen are merely neighbors, family members. They are people who we associate with daily at the grocery store or at the coffee shop. They need our prayers, our love, our support. Often when I'm in line, if there's a policeman or woman behind me, I will pay the cost of their bill. And I say to them, thank you for your service to our nation. Thank you for your sacrifice. I know what it is like for, for my daughter to have questioned, will my husband come home at night or will he be shot on duty? I've seen the fear in her eyes.
We are in a time of great deception in America. A time of lying and cheating and stealing and public corruption. And there must be a change. But all of this in government has only been allowed to grow and be fostered by outside influences because pastors have not been preaching righteousness and morality. We've been content with little 15 or 20 minute sermons, little inspirational stories to make us laugh or cry, jokes about the Redskins or the Steelers, jokes about what's happening in the culture. And so church has been a feel-good experience with the band rock and roll. It's time for all of this to end. A congregation got a new preacher. And I said to one of the leading elders of that church, how do you like your new, your new rector? Oh, we like him a lot. I said, why do you like him? Well, because he's interesting, but he only preaches 15 or 20 minutes. So we get out of there on time. I said, whoa, you would not be happy at my church. I preach for 45 minutes or an hour or longer. We deal with the scriptures. He said, oh, you could never do that at our church. We'd be gone or you'd be gone. I understand. Wow, we're in a time of of great deception. And Jude says, these ungodly men who pervert the grace of God, have they have slipped in through deception among you, and then they lead you unconsciously, step by step, away from Jesus. And so you put up with them. You put up with them because they don't do anything radical on day one. They just slowly begin to turn your heart away from Jesus. They slowly begin to convince you that you're saved, even though you're in the midst of your sin. They begin to confess things that are false. They begin to make up stories out of the depth of their own wickedness to entertain you, to captivate you, to gain your confidence. Verse 5, now I want I want you to recall, because you you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards he brought to ruin the ones not having, having believed. And so the angels, not having kept their own domain, but having abandoned their own position, He's kept in eternal bonds under darkness for judgment with respect to the great day. In other words, he's saying that there are angels today in prison, in dark cells, being kept there by God until the great day of judgment on this earth. We're told in Genesis that these wicked angels went down and made it with the women of 
of the human race. And the result was giants, Nephilim. Now there are some who want to deny this, but the scriptures are very plain. And these angels that went down, that broke their eternal bonds and walked into strange flesh, they're imprisoned today. Verse 7 is Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities surrounding them having indulged in immorality and having gone after different flesh or strange flesh in a similar manner to those angels. They lie before all as an example undergoing the penalty of eternal fire. Well, what did the the men and women of Sodom and Gomorrah do, they went after strange flesh. Men went after men. Women went after women. That's called in Scripture strange flesh. And Sodom and Gomorrah was burned. It was destroyed as a sign throughout the ages that God's judgment will come upon those people who walk in the wickedness of tolerating sin in every age, of giving way, of not walking with integrity, not allowing God and His Word to lead them into a fellowship of holiness, but instead walking in every kind of darkness. And then he again comes to those people of his day. And may I say, please, very kindly, but with great sincerity, that those dreamers today who have perverted the gospel of grace into a license for sin, they also defile the flesh. They reject the lordship of Jesus and they blaspheme glories. Now please, I need you to to understand what I'm trying to say to you today, that there is right and there is wrong. And we cannot afford any longer to compromise between right and wrong and allow ourselves to have shadows that we walk in. Look, it is either right or it is wrong. It is either in line with the Word of God or it is in line with the modern theology of the American church that allows for every wicked thing to come in and take over the body of Christ. There is an incredible demonic battle being fought for your soul today. If you don't recognize this battle in the heavenlies over your soul, you are in gravest danger. It's as Michael and the archangel, when disputing with the devil, arguing concerning the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a reviling judgment against him, but said, May the Lord rebuke you. 
we need to begin saying to these preachers of unrighteousness, the Lord rebuke you. We don't need to go further than that. But we need to be very clear to those men and women who are the entertainers of our church, to the jokesters, to the casual, to the worldly, we must begin to say, may the Lord Jesus rebuke you. And we need to stop fellowshipping with them and with their church. Verse 10, these men, that is, these men who have created a theological framework in which you can be saved and never lost, where you can be taught that God loves you unconditionally, a framework that you can be taught you cannot lose your salvation, a framework that teaches that all you need to do is say a little sinner's prayer and then you're saved and you're on your way to heaven and you're going to fly away. No, not if you've not been washed in the blood and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. Not if you do not have the power of sin broken in your life, you will not fly away. Jude says these men are naturally as unreasoning animals and they are corrupted. He's speaking about pastors and people in the church in his day, in Jude's day. What do you think it is today? Woe to them, for they went in the way of Cain. Well, what was the way of Cain? Cain said, I will worship God the way I choose to worship God. And I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. In fact, if you counter what I say, I'm going to kill you. Is it surprising that John Calvin, in the city of Geneva, that he ruled with an iron fist, is it surprising that he had a Christian brother burned at the stake for disagreeing with him on the Trinity? Really? I don't consider John Calvin to have even been a Christian. He was a religionist. And he started a whole system of theology that is utterly false to Scripture. If you're part of a Reformed church, you're in the wrong church. You're part of the John Calvin Reformation, which was not a Reformation. breaks my heart he would have killed Artemis if he had lived at that time and been able to kill him he would have killed him Arminius was a, a serious holiness preacher John Calvin was a teacher of delusion he followed the way of Cain it says he rushed to the delusion of Balaam. Well, what did Balaam go after? Money. Money. For Balaam, his relationship with God, 
was a business arrangement. And he used his power to access God for his own financial gain. And so God had him killed by the children of Israel. Many people have said to me many times, Pastor, you don't recognize that church is a business and you must be a very wise CEO. No, I am not a CEO. I'm a pastor. Church is not a business. It's a ministry. Do you see the delusion, the twisting? During seminary, everyone was searching the the question, what is a pastor's job? Well, today that question has been answered some 40 years later. A pastor's job in America is a program management position, a coach's position, a CEO's position. I utterly reject them all. I'm not a life coach. I'm a man who is to call people to walk in righteousness under the authority and the anointing of Jesus Christ. I'm a man who is to call not to self-improvement for your life, not to teach you strategies for success, but rather to teach you to give up your life and follow after Jesus Christ. And then the last one mentioned is he perished in the rebellion of Korah. What was the rebellion of Korah? Doesn't the Lord speak to all of us? Moses, who do you think you are? You've gone too far. No, I don't need an elder rule church. I have a Jesus rule church. Yes, we operate in almost every way by consensus among the leadership of the National Prayer Chapel. But we are not a democracy. We're theocracy. God leads us. He is the head of the church. I'm not the head of the church. Some have said to me, Pastor, I would give more money to the National Prayer Chapel radio broadcast if I knew that you were accountable. Well, wait a minute. Who am I accountable to? I'm accountable to the congregation of the National Prayer Chapel. I'm accountable to the leadership of the National Prayer Chapel. Yes, I'm held accountable by brothers and sisters. They're not yes men and yes women. But essentially, I'm held accountable by Jesus Christ. And if my life does not evidence integrity, honesty, humility, self-denial, then I should not be the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. And I would not be, because those are the characteristics of my life. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. Can you say that about your church? I understand there are some churches who have vestries and have other organizations. If they don't like their pastor, they fire them. If he preaches to them in a way they're upset with, they fire him. 
you know what? I can't be fired by my church because it's not my church. I'm fired and hired by Jesus Christ. Now, if they don't agree with that, they're welcome to say whatever they need to say to me and to the church. I'm not in any manner defensive about the role I play. I'm not in a position. I'm in a role, a servant role before God and before the people. And I say to them, you should only grant authority in your life to me based on my service to you. In other words, I don't have executive authority over your life. I don't shepherd people. People say to me, Pastor, what should I do? I say, let's ask Jesus and let's pray. I don't tell people what to do. I pray. I direct people to Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying to you today? There are men and women in the church today who are destroying the body of Christ and the righteousness of Christ. And it will result in the Lord totally cutting off those churches so that they may continue in their religious cycles but have no Holy Spirit presence, no conviction of sin, no lifting up of Jesus Christ, no true worship at the altar of righteousness in Jesus. Says these men, verse 12, are hidden dangers in your love feast, feasting together with you without fear. In other words, these men are brought in and, and considered to be great among great among you but their lifestyle the evidence of Jesus is not there he goes further feeding themselves they are clouds without water when I'm a farmer and I used to be a farmer I would listen with my family to the weather every morning because the weather was vital if we didn't get the rain or if we got too much rain we had to know that the clouds were going to produce for us what we needed to bring the crop says these men look like they are bringing something to you but in fact they're not going to bring any refreshment to your heart They're going to bring perhaps information, but they're not going to bring righteousness to your life. They're not going to bring conviction of sin to your heart, to your heart, to your life. They're not going to bring you the fullness of Jesus and the promise of his righteousness being perfected in your life. They're not going to do that for you. They're going to tell you, you can continue walking in your wickedness and Jesus loves you unconditionally. They're going to lie to you. Now, these, these men may not be pastors. They may be in our political arena. They may be a president. They may be a vice president. They may be congressmen. They may be officials. 
and you're going to look to them and hope that they'll do something good for our nation. But it's soon very evident that they are self-centered and one-world government people, and they lie. They don't keep their political promises. They're always playing games. Oh, they sound beautiful, eloquent, intellectual, but they twist and lie about everything. It says they feed themselves clouds without water. Winds carry these clouds about from place to place. The words are always going. They're always claiming to be somebody. But they're nobody. Having died twice. Having died trying to produce something and then pulled up by the roots. They're called fierce waves of the sea foaming up their own shame. They're called wandering stars. Can you think of anything worse for a captain of a ship to be getting his position from the stars and to have the stars not in their place, but having them wander around the heavens? Part of where we're struggling in America is is that we're having a hard time knowing where to put down our roots. There's a whole section of America that wants a one-world government, that wants inclusive of every wicked behavior, that wants every ungodly thing honored and, and served. When somebody says to me, we're going to Disney World, I say, please don't. It has become a place of sewage, of sickness, a place of violence, of ungodliness. I look at this, and Enoch writes, Behold, the Lord came with countless thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all conceivable men and to convict all the wicked men of them concerning all of their works of ungodliness which they impiously did and concerning all the hard things which ungodly sinners spoke against him. These men are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lust, and their mouths speak boastful words, flattering to the face for their own advantage. But you, beloved, you must remember the remas, the remas, the words of God having been anointed and announced beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. These men, he says, in the last time will be scoffers, walking according to their own lust of ungodly desires. These men are the ones causing divisions, sensual sin, devoid of the Spirit. You must keep yourselves in the love of God. I come today warning you. There is a great moral political battle being fought among God's people and in America. And you must have great discernment to know the difference between 
righteousness and unrighteousness. One world government versus nationalism. God established nationalism, not one world government. One world government always goes to the same thing. Death, destruction, and absolute tyranny and socialism and socialism has never worked in the history of the world every attempt has resulted in great mass genocide you must be wise and and earnestly pray that god will show you the way now we just have a couple of minutes left i want to thank each of you who has contributed and made possible this radio broadcast and i want to ask please would you pray for me next week next week god has opened the way for me to go to israel i'm going to be tape recording while i'm over there and when i come back i'm going to share with you my thoughts i'll be there for one week i plead with you would you pray for me while i'm in israel I've always wanted to go and never had an opportunity. I could not afford to, but God gave me the gift of this trip. Please pray for me next week. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. In the name of Jesus, I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling Jesus.